Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm looking at dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 58 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFleece, joined by my line mates, Scott McLaughlin and Bridget Prue. And since we last spoke, the NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken took place, and the Bruins lost Jeremy Lozon, as we all kind of figured would happen. And the NHL draft uh, took place as well. And um, we last spoke with Chris Peters. Scott, insightful as ever, asked him who some blue-chip prospects could be that would fall to the Bruins at 20, and Chris said Fabian Lysel, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so we're going to mostly discuss um, what's going to happen with David Krejci and the upcoming free agency on July 28th, but we're going to start off with some opening takes on on the Bruins draft selections, and uh, I guess, Scott, you posed a question to Chris, so we'll start with you. Um, how do you like the, the Bruins' first first-round selection? I liked it. It it seemed it seems like a good value pick. A lot of people had Lysel ranked in the top fifteen. Apparently, there had been some whispers he might slip. There was like this odd thing about a character concern that sort of came up after he was picked. It seems like that was just he was in a situation with a team where he maybe didn't have the role he expected and didn't quite react the right way. Uh, Don Sweeney said the Bruins, you know, did their homework. They interviewed him about it, asked him about it, all that. And we're satisfied with his answers, and 
you know, feel like he's a player who's already grown from it and will continue to. But, you know, look, what's one of the biggest criticisms of some of the Bruins' recent drafts? It's that they've gone conservative, you know, taking like the safe two-way player, maybe passed over some more skilled players at times. Well, that wasn't this pick. Fabian Lysel, definitely a skilled player. Uh, he's one of the best skaters in the draft, you know, has great hands. Look, I'm going mostly off, you know, scouts and other analysts. I'm not going to pretend that I watched a ton of Fabian Lysel playing in Sweden. But everything you read is that he's a high skill player. Uh, there are things he has to work on, you know, adjusting to playing a, a, against bigger, more mature players. He did struggle playing in Sweden's top league this past season. I think he had three points in 26 games. So he's going to have to figure that out. So there's work to do. And I think any player you draft at 20 or I guess technically 21st, but really it was the 20th player off the board. Um, there's going to be work. You, you know, you're not getting slam dunk players. who are going to walk into the NHL on day one at that point. Uh, so Lysel has some developing to do, but I, I like the pick. I like that it was a skilled player because that's something the Bruins need in their prospect pool. Yeah, and you say he's not going to jump right onto the roster. This draft didn't have very many players that are going the, to jump right onto the The number one overall roster. pick probably isn't. Owen Power's probably going back to Michigan for his sophomore season. Exactly. So. Brian and I were kind of talking about it before the um, podcast, just that this is a, a relatively weak draft in terms of depth and in terms of star power. So, yeah, it, it was more important about the scouting, and a lot of people had this guy going a lot higher um than where he ended up getting drafted and i don't think the character concerns like so we saw some really bad character concerns come up in this draft hello montreal yes hi montreal we're talking to you um but this isn't one of them right because a kid who's expecting to play and he's not necessarily getting the minutes and we've we all know someone like this right we all played with someone like this uh once in a while they'd start throwing a fit because they weren't getting enough time or weren't playing where they wanted to. But that's not something that's guys That's Brian can... when he doesn't talk enough during the podcast. <laughs> He's looking at me right now about to bitch about it. But um, So that's not really something I see as a concern, just because you're obviously not expecting to come right into the league and take over for, you know, the Bruins. Like, you're not expecting to take over on the top line for the Bruins. Like, you know you have to work your way up the ladder. Whether or not he needs an attitude adjustment, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I think that it was, like, overblown, most likely. It, it seemed that way, yeah. So I don't even know if that's something to worry about, but the way that the headlines read and the way that ESPN kind of just, like, briefly mentioned it and didn't go into too much detail was kind of, like, kind of threw him under the bus in a time where character concern usually means something a lot worse than what it turns out to be for him. So I don't – I highly doubt we're going to deal with that as an issue. And, it, you know, as people mature, they kind of lose that – mentality that they're you know getting the short end of the stick all the time so I think it's a good pick Scott you kind of covered the the fundamental reasons why it's a good pick for the Bruins and maybe it's a little bit to shut people up about the whole skill situation so uh, I, I think it's a good pick for them I think they got a little bit lucky that he fell to them Brian how about you uh the only thing I was hoping for was that they didn't draft a defenseman and even if I kind of brought it up with Chris last podcast and when I said do you take the best player available or positional needs and if the best player available was a defenseman and the Bruins took that player it's I understand it but it's just not their biggest need right now and so obviously they're I think they need to stockpile centerman um I think three centers consecutively got drafted before um the Bruins picked Lysel so 
you know, if the draft wasn't that deep at the center ice position, then I'm not going to be too upset they didn't take a center. Um, I'm definitely glad that 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 they they improved, um, you know, their prospect system with somebody who has a lot of promise and skill. And I think that the the idea of having Pashnak and and Lysel as your you know one and two right wings for years to come is pr- is pretty promising. As for his production in the Swedish Elite League, um, you know, obviously Austin Matthews is a generational talent, but like his draft year, he was playing against men and he certainly had a great season, but like his points weren't through the roof like they were in the NHL. So I just just keep that in mind when you're looking at him in in the Swedish Elite League. Like sometimes when you're playing a man's game as a 17 year old, um, sometimes you know the experience. Uh, is better than the point production that somebody could get in the, in the OHL or USHL or one of these um, junior programs or even the NCAA. Again, like you see some kids, they're putting against men, so sometimes like their points aren't there and the schedule's lower or less games. But um, and let's not forget, this was a COVID season. This was a very weird season for people, and we saw even players in the NHL struggle a little bit mentally with production. Um, and just kind of wrapping their head around what they need to do. It's just a different atmosphere for people. So. You also kind of take that into consideration. I mean, think about the 2019 Red Sox. Like, that season you throw into the garbage because this year they're totally different. So sometimes teams are and, and players are affected differently by that. And you, if you're the Bruins, you hope that there was a little bit of that factoring in. And, has- and some of those overseas teams were deeper this year because of COVID canceling other leagues or delaying other leagues. You know, more players went to or stayed in leagues that were actually playing. So I don't know all the details of, of uh, Lalia's roster where he played, other than Jesper Walsted was the team's goalie, and he was he went one pick in front of uh, LaSalle. But, you know, it could have been that maybe he would have been a second liner on that team in a normal season, but he's even lower because, you know, guys who were there last year didn't move on to other leagues or... Or someone came over and that wouldn't have gone there. Things like that. That's a good so, point. Yeah. Uh, one thing about Lysel that it's very apparent when you listen to him on Zoom, and you probably were a part of the conference call, Scott, was um, he's very, very confident. He, he he described himself as I don't know if it was dynamic or, but it was some sort of yeah. of um, adjective that was like yeah, okay. that always interests me yeah. the way that people describe them. But that, I, you it, need it, that though. You need some confidence, yeah, you know. <laughs> I I'm like a proponent of just like. It's impossible for me to like describe myself. It's impossible for me to like say nice things about myself. It's just so weird to hear people be like, "I'm it's, the best." Like, well, it was weird. It was like interesting to hear because I ended up including like a lot of those quotes in, in the write-ups I did for wei.com. But at, like all of the Bruins picks were asked to describe their game, which is understandable because like you know none of us on this Zoom call have really watched them play. Maybe if they went to a college around here, we've seen them or whatever. But so like it's useful for us just to get an idea of what they think of their game, and they get asked that during like their interviews with teams too. Like they're asked to, like describe themselves, describe their games. You know, the what kind of player pitch. do you want to be? Like all they're asked like all that stuff. But it, it is interesting to hear because like they always, you know, that they all they're all confident as they should be. Like look, you just got drafted by an NHL team, you should be pretty confident. But it's also like they all describe themselves as you know good two-way player i you know i like to score but i also like take pride in my defense and it's like you know they're not all good two-way players those are just the right things to say so uh after they picked lysel they they did 
draft two centermen, uh, a goaltender, two defensemen, and then uh, a forward, it says. So I guess that's somebody who's just diverse. <laughs> I don't really know. I've never <laughs> Oscar, seen that. Yeah, Oscar Yelvig. I think he was listed as like a center or a left wing. Yeah. So, so um, any of those uh, names worth bringing up real quick? I know the Brett Harrison kid, um, people were saying just kind of gets a job done, isn't flashy, and may have, may have been a first-round talent or could have been but wasn't. Yeah, he's so a lot of people had him ranked on the 50s and 60s. So even, you know, after essentially an offseason, because he's in the OHL with the Oshawa Generals, OHL didn't play this past season. He went over to Finland and played, I think, like a dozen games or so there. And then he also played in the U18 Worlds. Um, but there were people who thought that he could have, that he was maybe on track for like a breakout OHL season this year. And obviously they didn't play. So he's someone who certainly could have risen, you know, maybe if he took advantage of that. Um, but as it is, teams just didn't get a good enough look at him this season. He ends up dropping to the third round. If he goes back to the OHL and has that kind of breakout season, then that's going to look like a really good pick for the Bruins. And it certainly sounds like he at least has the skill set to potentially do that. So that looked like a pretty good value pick. And then, Further down in the draft, um, the two defensemen they took, Ryan Mass in the sixth round and Ty Gallagher in the seventh, uh, Bob McKenzie had Ryan Mast as an honorable mention on his top 100 list. And he ended up falling all the way to the sixth round. He's uh, a big kid, big defenseman, you know, really shut down type, but apparently has, you know, is a pretty good skater, has a little bit of offense to his game. And has really bulked up because there were scouting reports that listed him at like six four one ninety, which you know that's kind of scrawny, really spindly. Yeah. Uh, he's now up to two fifteen, so like he has put on some mass. Uh, no pun intended. Ryan Mass mass. But... <laughs> and then uh, Ty Gallagher that they took in the seventh, he's heading to BU this fall, and oh, set... near and dear to Scott's heart. That's right. Uh, set the U.S. development program record for goals by a defenseman. Uh, and there was another ranking, I believe it was Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, had him in his top 100, and they ended up getting him in the seventh round. So, Well, the good thing about people in Boston is they can really get a good look at him this year. Yep. So they can, I mean, you can head on down, watch some BC and BU games. and. Well, so, so Andre Gasso, their seventh round pick, uh, he clarified that he's actually going to Fargo in the USHL this season, then he'll be a freshman at BC next year. So he's... A year away from being around here, but but it's it's nice to actually be able to see the prospects yeah. develop and like your uh, Matt Grizzlicks and your Charlie McAvoy's in the area, um, and Scott, you'll be there, I'm sure. Yep. They uh they so they took I might butcher his name, but Phillips Svedback, the goalie, sounds close enough. In the yes. uh, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, so they took him with a fourth fourth round pick. Are you surprised they took a goalie in the fourth round or a goalie at all in this draft? They, they seem like they're pretty stocked at the goal goaltender position unless maybe they um were in a position where they had to waive uh Vladar and he got picked up or something like that which is a possibility it is i, I think it's Svedbox going to be several years away so i think it's more just organizational depth um they hadn't dr- drafted a goalie in a few years i think Swain was probably the last and that was 2017 so you're looking at like the you know you have like those guys in that Vladar's a little older. Swayman and Kyle Kaiser are kind of around the same age. But then, like, you don't, you didn't have any 18, 19, 20-year-old goalie prospects. So I think just this kind of just helps replenish that a little bit. And now you at least have someone in sort of, like, that next 
wave of what it, you know three four year increments or whatever. So now we want to head over into the center talk because yes. this is this is like it gets juicy. I spent all day like looking at numbers and contracts and available players and um, there's only so in terms of if Krejci doesn't come back. Um, which I still think he's the Bruins' best option to come back, and I'll explain why as we get a little bit further into this. But um, I just I was having a hard time finding a player with a contract that actually fits a second line skill set. And Scott and I were talking a little bit about this uh, before we came in here, which is well, you had your eyes on Deno, um, and he would come in at a reasonable contract, so. I guess we can talk about him a little bit later. I have a few guys I want to ask you, like, yay or nay. Wait, who who, who do you have his eyes on? Philip Deneau. Who? Philip Deneau from Montreal. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay. I, I thought you said you, you don't know who he had his eyes on. <laughs> you, like, he has his eyes on Deneau. So Deneau. Gotcha. I just want to clarify who, you, who you're talking about. <laughs> so, I guess... Is this for... like a who's on first routine? <laughs> yeah. Scott, yeah. It's French, Scott. guys. It's French, Scott okay? Likes, uh, Scott likes uh, Deneau. Deneau. Anyway. All right, we're gonna have to work on the, the French with you, uh, Brian, a little bit. But so uh, I had a B in French all through high school. So you, oh, you did well. Yeah, yeah. How do you pronounce my last name? Prue. Prolks. Prue. <laughs> I never once mispronounced Prue. Okay, so I guess first place to start. Uh, if you want to go here first, what would so I think Krejci's about to ask for like almost what he got last time. I think he still thinks he's worth upwards of six million dollars a year, and I think he's he's probably asking closer to seven, based off of the fact that they don't seem to be very close right now. I think the Bruins are looking for him to sign for six or under, but well, he currently, I assume, thinks that he deserves maybe not even with the Bruins, somewhere between six and seven million a year. I mean, like the it, contract, it's hard to get a gauge on even like where contract talks might be or if they've even really gotten into details because you know look i mean sweeney could be bluffing but he told the media on thursday so we're recording this monday evening uh so four days ago sweeney told the media that Krejci has not given them a clear indication yet if he wants to play in boston next year or presumably the alternative is to go home to the czech republic which Krejci has said he wants to do at some point um, so you have to have that answer before you can even really get into the nitty gritty of contract. And I don't know what creature would be looking for. He, he said after the season that his next deal wouldn't be about money. Obviously we know all contracts are to some extent about money. So, you know, it's not like he, it's the Bruins just going to be like, here's $2 million. And he'd be like, okay, great. Thank you. People can say it's not about money, but it's about value, right? It's about where they value yeah. themselves and they don't. They want to get what they deserve. Like, it's not about money per se, but sometimes when you take a lesser contract, you feel like they don't think of you like the way that you view yourself or the way that you deserve to be looked at. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you can get crazy for less than six. Like, I, I think they'd probably end up somewhere around five. It's just my guess. But don't but, you but think I could he's see him... coming into this conversation saying six and a half? Maybe. What I could see him saying is, hey, Taylor Hall just got $6 million a year, yeah. and, you know, we did this together. Like, we helped each other. We were both a big part of this line's success once he got here. 
uh, I want six million like him. Like I could, I could see that argument, but I, I can't imagine him getting close to what his previous contract was. Now, Brian, question for you: In this situation, in my view, the leverage is in Krejci's camp, right? He has a lot of things going for him right now that lets him pull a little bit more money if he wants it. Well, the leverage is now in his hands a little bit because of the addition of Taylor Hall. Like now, Krejci and his representation can go to the Bruins and say, "Look what I've done with the uh, adequate like star top six winger on my line." So whereas before Taylor Hall, he didn't have much of a leg to stand on. I think, I think for for Krejci, if he wants to go back home. And the Bruins don't want him on a long-term deal. He's probably sitting there saying, "Like, okay, well, if you're not gonna meet me on my years, I want my AEV to be significantly higher than. Yeah. What, I'm not gonna stay for like for a year, million and a half, two million. Like, I'm that's not worth it for me. Yeah, like a two-year deal, six point five or something like that. Six. See, I think that's yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's, that's he, what he honestly he, he that's can't, what he, he can't be your highest-paid forward. He he can't it can't it can't happen. So like, if the no. basically not not after he just had that whole long contract. Being the highest paid when he didn't I, really deserve. Yeah, but but I, I, so look at the contract with Coyle. Obviously, that's a bad contract, but it's five and a quarter million dollars. So you think he's going to take less than the third line center? Because I mean, he may have to. But it, when you look at it in comparison to some of these other centers in the league, he actually like there's plenty of centers in this league getting paid more than Krejci that are not as good. Krejci's coming. Scott, sure. How long? How long was Krejci's deal at like seven a year? It was like a seven, six or seven year deal, right? Krejci's, yeah. Krejci's made his money more than anybody on the Bruins, especially up front over the years. And I think that he's a veteran who understands now that um, he, he he wants he wants to. Yeah, still it was want- a six six year, forty three and a half million dollar contract cap hit of well, it started out as seven and a quarter and it faded down right. to seven. And he a and, year. and and to be frank, and you can you can blame it on a lack of line mates, but he hasn't lived up to that value. Uh, for the majority of his contract. So if he wants to sit there and win a championship, I think he's smart enough, he's veteran enough to understand he's going to have to take a cut. And I think the Bruins don't want to give him too many years. The Bruins are probably looking at... Two to three? Uh, yeah, I'd probably I'd say, say two. two yeah. Probably two. And I, I, think if, I think both sides should sit there and agree on two years at four and a half, give or take a year. And... and let bygones be bygones. Try and win a championship and go and go on your way. You made your money. Now we're tr- we're all trying to be on the same page to win a championship here. That's what I think. And I don't know if, if it doesn't happen. And that's that's a shame. I have a few other reasons why I think he kind of comes in with the leverage, and uh, one of them is just the fact that there's not many unrestricted free agents that are going to fit into a second line center role, and the chemistry thing with Hall, obviously a big one. Uh, I just I I see him being able to to negotiate if he wants to, but the question is, does he does he want to? Well, I mean, we're, we're gonna have to get an answer really soon because free agency opens Wednesday at noon, and the Bruins. Don Sweeney said there's no timeline. He can say that publicly. <laughs> that's fine, but like realistically, you have to know if you're in the market for a second line center when free agency opens. Like this, because you like that. That's not a spot you can just wait on. You're not gonna be able to get a second line center in August, like sometime in August. You know those guys are gonna come off the board quickly. Thin. Yes, it's a thin yeah. group of centers this year. Uh, and and the Bruins have twenty million dollars of cap space, so obviously you have to think about their other needs and where, where they need to fill it. And some of these bigger name guys that are still available that haven't signed, like the Gabriel Landeskogs of the world, 
probably you're not going to be able to grab if you grab Krejci because uh, the, you'd be looking at, you know, $9 million you signed Landeskog or something. That's something supposedly in that what he's looking for, which and I, then, and then I wouldn't get that. you save $5 million or so for Krejci, you're, you're not left with, with much to work with in terms no. of grabbing a defenseman or adding a, a depth forward. Yeah, and uh, the left shot defenseman market is getting pretty thin too. I know we're going to get into that. But, yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at centers, like I said, Philip Dano is going to be the top name on the market. Uh, there's Just before we started recording, there was a report that they might be interested in Ryan Getzlaff. To me, fine as a number three center, absolutely not as a number two center. Like, I don't, I don't think he has enough left in the tank. He's 36 years old. He just had his worst season scoring wise I don't think you can depend on him to come in and be your number two center uh Paul Stastny's out there he might still be a number two center he still had a pretty good season last year uh the Blackhawks didn't issue a qualifying offer to Pius Suter which was pretty surprising because he had like a really good breakout season he could be a number two center he probably enters uh into like the same similar level as Dan O where they're going to be the top two and the other guys are going to get the longer-term deals. I think Suter's only 25. Um, so, like, those are the kind of players you're looking at. It, it's either it's either you're going big for Dano or Suter or... Like Nick Benino, say. Yeah, Nick Benino has been but, a really good number three center his whole career. But here's the problem. But, but we that's can it. come He's up with a lot center. of number three centers, but you yeah. can't come up with the number two centers. And the Bruins, I, I don't know if you guys agree can't move Charlie Coyle into the number two center, which is why they paid him so much money and what they were expecting out of him was to move him to number two. Yeah, and hopefully his um, nagging injury last year will, and you know, he's getting that resolved in the offseason. Hopefully that explains his, his struggles last year. And I think a but lot of people... But he's still not a number two no, center. No, 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 he's not. But I, I, but hopefully he can get back to being a really good number three center. That would be it, lovely. And, you know, but um, as far as uh, Getzlaff goes, Scott, um, for me, it would have to the term and the and the and the and the money would have to be appropriate. Obviously, I don't want to overpay for him. But don't you think that um, you know, the Bruins kind of have that culture like the Patriots do around the league, where like a team, a player can go to that structure, that 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 culture, and some of the high end talent, and and be a lot better than what they were. Like Getzlaff wasn't playing with much in Anaheim. Could he go to Boston and put up like fifty points? And, and, and I feel and, like that's be, a steep ask for him. He, yeah, I could see him like, maybe than... getting to 40, like maybe half a point a game. Maybe he could still do that if he has Taylor Hall and Craig Smith on his wings. Well, let's but... not forget, yeah. he's a year older than Krejci. So one yeah. of the issues we have with Krejci is, is you know, that he's aging out of his prime. Getzlaff is, ha- is going to have the same issue. And last season, he was a minus 14. Well, he may be a year older, but uh, the way he plays the game, he's probably like five years older. You know, he plays the game a little bit uh, more of a brute f- style than Krejci does. Um so Scott, if you had to look into your crystal ball, like what, what would you say happens with Krejci? You think? I'm all along. I thought he's back, and they're gonna figure something out. The fact that it's Monday evening and free agency opens on Wednesday, and we still don't know, I feel like I'm leaning towards him being gone. And I, and I feel like the Krug situation all over again. Yeah, kind of. Like it, it's just odd. A player who's been here that long that in theory you should have a good relationship with and be talking to and open communication and all that, to just not have an answer yet is, I feel like it just doesn't bode well. You know, that said, 
look, maybe he's signed by the time we post this podcast. Like, yeah, that's knows, the thing we but... were thinking about postponing it, you know, putting it back a little bit later in the week, just in case we get this news. But obviously if it happens, it, one free agency opens, we'll have another what? podcast and, and assess, you know, that situation. One more thing I want to get to about Krejci. I'll, I'll ask the question to Brian first. Uh, do you think the fact that the Bruins, this has been a huge topic, the Bruins aging core and the fact they maybe have a one-year window left. They, I think the organization thinks they have a one- to two-year window left. So don't you think that means they don't take a risk on one of these, so to say, third-line centers, bringing them in and and, and not like signing Krejci if, if he comes to the table and wants to negotiate with them? Don't you think that makes it more likely they sign Krejci to a short-term deal because they know how he works with Hall. They know how he works in the organization. He's a specific style of player you can't find anywhere else. I think that makes them less likely to go out and look for someone else. Um, they are going to try as best they can to bring Krejci back. Unless Krejci flat out says, there's nothing you guys can offer me, I just want to go home, If then there's nothing they can do. Exactly. Short Assuming of that, that's not the case. Short of, short of that, like Sweeney has to, he has to get something done because every th- this is not like, this is not, rebuild mode this is not you know be mediocre like the, every move they make this offseason has to be to make them a championship caliber team next year and likely the year after because when Bergeron's no longer playing for them like you know McAvoy and Pashnak and some young players can certainly make them a bubble playoff team for a few years but like the championship window will will close until they get that next star center which we don't know and um I, I just think that one thing of leverage that Krejci doesn't have that Sweeney does have is Krejci will not play? If, he's not going to sign with another NHL team. So like Sweeney knows that it's 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 Czech Republic or Boston Bruins. That's in Sweeney's favor. But so, still, like, like, is there a price that gets Krejci to say, "I'm not going to the Czech Republic"? Do you know what I'm saying? Like for a certain price, he's like, "Whatever, I'll step away from the NHL." Yeah. But for the right price, it I mean, might entice him to say, "I'll wait two years." I guess to quote uh, the great Ted DiBiase, everybody's got a price. But, but so if Don Sweeney wants to make him the highest paid player in the league, I'm sure he'd stick around. But Give him a, a 12.5 like McDavid? I, I don't see, Scott, after the money Krejci's made, especially over his, his counterparts who are better than him, Bergeron, Marshan, Pashnak over the last few years, um, like, how how how, how could, I don't see how Krejci could turn down two years at like four and a half, five. I just, that's so, I don't, you know what I mean? And especially, especially given that, again, he said after the season that his next deal wasn't going to be about money. That, to me, tells me that he understands he's getting a pay cut if he's back next year. So, right. But do you think he's going to take a $3 million pay cut? I mean, Maybe. Or close, seven. close to it. Two, yeah. two and a half. Like, yeah, I don't think four and a half, five is unreasonable. And if he's if he's way over that and like not even entertaining coming down to something close to that, then... Here, here, I don't know. That's it, tough. This is the like, problem. Like he, um, Martian and Pashnak are over a point per game player in the National Hockey League, and they're making mid sixes, low sixes, right? So how, the, how, in what world can Krejci go to Don Sweeney as a point six points per game player and say, "I want the same range"? You can't. Just, you can't do it. All I can say is uniqueness, fit with the team. He's his own style of you know player. What? If he wants to handicap the organization he's played for for 15 years and and 
play hardball, then you know what? He can he can he can he can go back to the Czech Republic because if he if he hamstrings them with a with a high value, like and they can't go out and make the other moves to win a championship, which is the reason he has to stay in the first place or would want to stay in the first place, then that's then shame on him. Honestly, like, but I feel like Sweeney should do everything he can to keep him, but it has to be reasonable. Because yeah, you have other and, needs. And, well, yeah, and think and about think, the other spots they have to fill. And I don't think, if Krejci wants to come back, I don't think his ask would be crazy. Like, I I think at this point, it's just a legitimate question of whether he wants to be in Boston or the Czech Republic next year. And obviously he needs to let the Bruins know, know soon. Uh, look, one, one other center option I want to throw out there, because... He emerged in, in a report late last week. We also got a question about him on Twitter, and that is Christian Dvorak from Arizona, uh, who they would have to trade for. He signed for four more years at, I believe it's 4.25 uh, per year. Um, he played with Taylor Hall for a year when Hall was with the Coyotes. They That Coyotes team wasn't particularly good. They had were they line mates or just yeah they were line mates for most of the season uh, with Connor Garland on their right wing, and um, they had pretty good results though the two of them together or specifically the three of them with Garland on the right, and I think so. I like Dvorak. I think he's sort of like a on a championship team. I think he's kind of like a fringe second third line center. But I think you could get by with him as your second line center if you have good enough wings, which at least on their second line I think the Bruins do. And he's young; he might still continue to grow his game out. He's twenty five. Uh, I th- I feel like that'd be like a good player to have. I think he would help you. I think it's a pretty decent contract. Um, you know, the question we got on Twitter is, what would you have to give up? The Coyotes are a team looking for prospects and picks. They're in a full-on rebuild. They've been selling off pieces like crazy. Uh, they've been willing to take on bad contracts from teams. So I'm wondering if, like, as part of this deal, can you dump John Moore on them? Get rid of that contract? Um, you know, team, I, I don't know if you're even in the market to trade Jake DeBrusque anymore. The Bruins... On Monday, did not issue qualifying offers to Nick Ritchie or Andre Kasha, so you're a little thin on wing. I don't know if you're, you know, really looking to trade Jake DeBrusque and get even thinner there. Um, but that would maybe be a team that would be interested in him if you were. So I don't know. What do you guys think about Dvorak? The idea of trading with the Coyotes in general. Uh, that's not my one of my top ones. I'll just say that that's definitely not on the top of my list in terms of guys to to target if you have to, um, in the case that you have to move on from Krejci. Um, his cap hit is similar to what you guys were suggesting as what the Bruins would offer Krejci, which is four and a half. Um, so that's obviously, you have to consider that um, and who you're getting. Yeah, I don't see him as my top. And I do want to get into some of the other ones uh, that are, that are options in terms of free, uh, unrestricted free agents. Uh, Brian, do you have any opinion about Dvorak? Well, Scott and I were talking about it earlier, and basically I said that he's not a championship number two center, and then Scott's response was, I agree. So they would have to have a, a really elite third line. And with the um, Richie and Kasha news that happened today, um you know, we have literally no idea like what their third line is going to look like next year besides Coil. So, like, without knowing their third line 
And it would have to be to go from not knowing their third line to having an elite third line come opening night or trade deadline. Like that's a huge like mystery. So I, if Dvorak is a piece of the puzzle, yep, at the right price, the right term, all that stuff is as a number two center um, with an average third line. No, I'd rather if I'm gonna have a guy that's not gonna get the job done ultimately, which is a championship, then I I just throw Stendik up there because he's cheaper. And your own property. And I have well, I have an interesting idea about how they could bolster their second line and their third line at the same time. But we'll get to that later because I yeah. have a I have a crack dream that Vladimir Tarasenko could end up on on the Bruins if you do if you handle this the right way. But Scott already tried to shut me down on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've given up on Tarasenko. But uh, look, so I mean, I think Dvorak's better than Stanika. I think he's better than Coyle. Like he would be your best number two center option if you got him. Obviously, yes, you, you would ideally like to find someone better. But again, as we already laid out, it's not like there's a ton of great number two centers sitting out there this offseason. Uh, so, you know, I, I just feel like you could do worse than a cost-controlled or, you know, fairly cost-controlled, like not a crazy contract. Locked up for his prime years, uh, plays pretty much every situation, um, and has played with Taylor Hall before. Like, I, I think that would be solid. And... On the third line, I'm really interested to see what happens with Richie because they could negotiate with him again and try to get him back cheaper. He was due for a $2 million qualifying offer, but likely would have ended up around 3 one if he went to arbitration. Uh, so that's why they didn't qualify him because they, they wanted to avoid arbitration. But to me, because I've kind of been beating this drum all along, like I would move on from Richie because I'm looking for an upgrade in that spot. Like If you're signing Nick Richie for even two and a half. He's your third. He's a third line winger. Like that's third line winger money. That's what he was last year. I just feel like he ended up as part of the problem last year, especially in the playoffs. Um, I don't expect him to score at the rate that he did for for parts of the season. A lot of that was on the power play. Um, I feel like that's a spot where you can upgrade, and if you're upgrading that, it, potentially upgrading two spots on your third line, you know, we'll we'll see how the off season goes then I'd be a little more comfortable with not having, like, a true bona fide, like, number two center. Because while you would like to have that, you you can win if your number two center is a little less than that. Like, the Blackhawks have done that before. They won a cup with Artem Anisimov as their number two center because they had really good wings around him. Uh, Vegas has made multiple deep runs, arguably without a number one center. Number mind, Like, William Carlson's really good. He's probably... You know, middle to lower pack number one center. This year, like they had Chandler Stevenson centering their top line and worked yeah. out just fine because they had great wingers around them. Um, so I think you can do. I think you can make it work. And again, I, I like Dvorak as a player, uh, so I would definitely keep that option on the table and wouldn't mind if that's ultimately I mean, what the Bruins end up doing. I mean, in, in three hundred two career games, he's just under half a point per game player. So like. As a player, like that's that's a great player to have on your team, and um, but I don't, but I don't, I just don't know unless like we talked about like their third line was sick. Uh, as a second line center, I I just don't know if he can get you to the promised land. Um, I got, I got my, a few... That's my reservation about him, but I, I would love to have him in general um, as a piece of the puzzle for sure. I, I got a few other ones that I'll give you just a little bit of information on. So Nick Benino, who's two years younger than Krejci, he's thirty three. He's out there as an option. He's you know, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
His last contract was uh, two two point four million dollars. Uh, I just what what are don't, your don't what, forget that he went to BU. He yes yes he did. I've 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 interviewed him before. He's a pretty big guy. Uh, him as a fit. Say he goes for a little under two point four. As I see him as more of a third line center, Scott. Yeah, he'd be awesome as a third line center. He has been his whole career. He was the third line center on those back to back Penguins Stanley Cup teams. Uh, has been effective everywhere he's gone. Um, was uh, one of my signings in the mock off season that I did on wi.com. Um, and I had that with signing Benino and bumping Coyle over to wing. I don't know if that's what the Bru- I don't think the Bruins are planning to like I don't know if the Bruins are planning to sign a number 3 center and move Coil over. Maybe they are. Maybe that's where the interesting Getzlaff comes from. But yeah, so Benino is a number 3 center sure, but it doesn't solve it certainly doesn't solve your number 2 center problem because then you have two number 3 centers in Benino and Coil. Um and I still wouldn't be comfortable moving either one of them up in the lineup. Uh, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, but it's kind of the elephant in the room, is that the the NHL is going to go back to their um, traditional playoff format next year, and that means the Bruins will have to go through their division. And, uh, you know, Tampa won a cup a month ago, and they've already lost Barkley, Goudreau, and Yanni Gore. Those are two huge pieces. So, like, the and Bruins, Blake Coleman. He's I was just, go is, he was somebody that okay. I was about uh, to bring up. He's a free agent, right? Yeah, he's a free and agent. they can't afford him. Right, so like the Bruins have a huge opportunity here to like go out there and and, and get that advantage over Tampa because in the past like yeah. both teams have high end skill. And by the way, Tampa still has to trade another contract in addition to that just to get under right. the cap. So it, that's yeah. probably like they would prefer to be Tyler Johnson. We'll see if anyone is willing to like help them out and take that contract on. Yeah, Arizona maybe. Um, I but, don't but, like. I, I say nobody help. Otherwise, it's it's. Like Alex Kalorn or Andre Pilat or maybe even Ryan McDonough. I don't think it would be him, but they, they still need to move one other contract too. So they they're still the Lightning is still going to be really good next year, but they're definitely oh. going to be weakened. Compared They'll be a to this real year. good team, but it could be the Bruins division because like we just talked about, Tampa is going to be they're not going to be as good. Um, and then like okay, I I get it. You have the uh, the Stanley Cup finalists, Montreal Canadiens in the division. They won't be. They'll have a hard time making the playoffs. Maybe it's a wild card, yeah. but you have. Toronto, Toronto will be there. The Bruins will be there. Tampa will be there. Ottawa, Detroit suck. I mean, Ottawa's getting better. Uh, the Panthers are a good team, but and like, they just got they just traded for Sam Reinhardt too, so they just got uh, better too. Yeah. So, but the Bruins have an opportunity. They have they have to make these improvements, and it's not our job to do them. We're just speculating. Um, but that's why you know I think it starts with Krejci. I really do. Uh, it's, you have it's to hard to that get into the other hypotheticals of who they're going to sign on off on on the offensive side because without that, you don't really know. If you're gonna be willing to go all in on someone, or or how much cap space you're gonna have left, because say you add a Blake Coleman, whose contract right now is a 1.8 million a year, or Philip Deneau, who's getting three million a year, those are obviously lesser contracts. You have more room to sign maybe a bigger player. But they're yeah, I mean they're gonna want getting their... those got two guys getting much bigger contracts. Yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna want so... they're gonna want their raises. That, that is also true, but still, I I, I don't think they're gonna get as much as Krejci would have if, gotten. Oh, I think Dan I think Dano's getting over six. And I would guess yeah. Coleman's gonna get four and a half. Yeah, five. I would say Col- yeah, Coleman's definitely gonna get I would say yeah, four. Philip Dano Philip Dano is like a 
a lot of people call him, and Scott, you may be one of them. I have personally, I I haven't watched enough of him to to say this myself, but they say he's like the best defensive forward in the game. I still think the Bruins have that player, but he he's up there. But for he's sure. up there, yeah. and he's and he's younger. So if he wants to make the claim that he deserves to make six plus, he sure as hell has that claim. Krejci can no longer say that anymore. He's he's thirty four. He's yeah, I mean they're different players too, and like that's the other thing is like, what are you looking for? Because Krejci, I think, I think Krejci's still a better offensive player than Dan. No, he's yeah. certainly a better playmaker. Dano might be a better all-around player, but like, you know, I don't. I mean, like you have Bergeron as your number one center. Like you already have one of the best two-way centers in the game. Obviously, you're not going to complain about having a second behind him, but it's just it's a little bit different role. Like then, then that's not. That's not like an all-out offense line if Dano's the center on it. Yeah, and I just find that there's too many question marks with an outside defenseman, question marks on chemistry, because as we've seen throughout Taylor Hall's career, well, first of all, his chemistry with Krejci was probably the best he's had, and we just don't know how he'll fit in with some of the other centers that they have as options um, because we've seen the results with Krejci and they're almost considered to be like a, you know, a pair in terms of the decision-making. But I, I, I know that Hall had mentioned something offhand one time at, in a post-game press conference about how he likes having a righty center because the way that the play develops, he's, he's first of all said he never had a righty center before uh, Krejci and he said it opens up him better for getting open and getting his shots off, which I, I think is kind of an interesting um, tidbit that he he said. And, and do you consider that in your uh, in well, your addition of a center? Ryan Getzlaff is a righty. <laughs> so. I do not. Honestly, Scott, I do not think Getzlaff is coming to Boston. Look, honestly, if Krejci doesn't re-sign with the Bruins, um, I think they're I think they're screwed. I I, I, think I agree. That, That's why I so say he, if, he if, has him right where he wants. If them. he has, if he if he resigns, then the Bruins can go a ton of different options to fill out their bottom six. If he doesn't, um, you know they're they're in, they're in trouble. If as far as being able to have a Stanley Cup caliber team to start the season, um, do we have any more forward things to talk about free agency wise? Do you want to hop well, into the defense? Well, can I just oh yes 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 my wonderful dream in a perfect world give your elevator what the, pitch what the Bruins roster would look like uh if they were able to sign Krejci first of all and Vladimir Tarasenko so because Tarasenko said he wanted out he still has quite a bit left on his contract and it's been rumored that he want or that the east division is where the most interest is in adding him so in my mind well, first of all, they're going to have to eat part of his contract so that the Bruins can have room for him to come over. Mm-hmm. But I can, I imagine that they will take part of it because Tarasenko has a, a no-trade clause, which means he's going to be the one who ends up deciding where he goes. And I don't see why he wouldn't want to come to Boston. Um, and if he were to come here and he jumps in, he'd obviously slide back Craig Smith. He'd be the right wing on the second line. Uh, you have a ridiculously good second line with Hall, Krejci, and Tarasenko. And then that means that your third line gets better because you drop Craig Smith to the third line with Coyle. Well, Craig Smith was phenomenal last year in the second line, and that second line was great. But I did say last year that I felt like on a championship team, Craig Smith was a third-line player. 
Um, I, I, I kind of rescind that. I do think he could be a top six forward in the Cup team. I just think that optimal uh, lines would he be on a third line. As far as Tarasenko goes, look, if I knew the guy could play 82 games in playoffs, fine. That's just such a huge question mark. I, I don't think that's the case. How I, much? I hope, yeah. but how, how much do you think they would have? They would have to retain his contract for the Bruins to consider adding him. Scott's probably better to answer this that's one. How, yeah. I mean, like realistically, they're probably not going to retain more than a million. So that's probably like the max, and then you're getting him for a six and a half million cap hit. Um, I just get the sense that the Bruins aren't in on Tarasenko anyways. I think they checked in on him, did a little bit of homework, but then there was a report. I don't remember if it was, it was either Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic or Andy Strickland uh, from Bally Sports. They're both like St. Louis Blues in- insiders. I think one of them reported that at some point that the Bruins uh, were no longer in on Tarasenko. Now, I guess it depends on what got them out. Is it they did more homework on the medicals and came to the conclusion that they don't think he's going to bounce back or be the, or be the same player? Or is it that the ask from St. Louis was too much? Because if it's the latter, well, that ask can always come down if they're not getting what they expected or hoped for. And, he ha- and so Tarasenko has the ability to drive down the price because he, c- he could say, I'm only going to X, Y, and Z. Right, I'm only going to Boston, you know, or another team or two other teams. That means that you're looking for the best deal only from three teams. Sure. So, I mean, I guess I don't rule it out. You know, see, I was able to to talk Scott into this earlier mm-hmm. too. I still don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but I was able to make it make more sense. Yeah. Right. It, there is a way it can happen, and that's what I'll, makes me excited about it. I'll I'll say this, Scott. If 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 the you know situation came up where it was a trade package revolved around somebody who could have been in the expansion draft and lost for nothing and Jake DeBrusque. Eh, but again, it's it's kind of like, you know, this is a... Well, when, when the... When it's the a athle- hypothetical, but yeah. it's such a fun I mean, hypothetical. Yeah. For him, I, 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 I mean, when, when the Athletic was like doing proposals from... Yeah, it was like a list of four or five teams that they thought were interested. And this was a couple weeks ago at this point. But their Bruins package was... Their first round pick, which obviously the draft's gone now, so that's out, and Trent Frederick, and that was it. Mm. So it was like, yeah, like I would have done that if I was convinced that he could still physically be the something close to the player he used to be. Um, but who knows? Like you know, I, we just don't know what St. Louis is looking for at this point. Uh, would it have to be a first round pick next year? Is it probably uh, a top prospect like Stanika? You know. See, but his his, uh, his injury problems, I just feel like really dilute his abil- their ability to like ask for stuff like that. Yeah, because everybody everybody and their mother knows he he he's like a you know he's as fragile as Scotch tape right now. Like he's 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 banged up. So does that help? It should help. It, it, it should help. The, it should help any case. suitor trying to get yes. Tarasenko. But you know, it's just um. And yeah. also the, the fact that they left him exposed in the expansion draft tells you that, like... The value is... Uh, you know, if they thought there was, like, some great package out there, they wouldn't expose him and risk losing him for nothing well, if they thought, like, they can get, oh, a first-round pick and a top prospect, well, so... If, if if you're one of the other 31 teams, you're looking at it, and you're talking to St. Louis, and you're talking about a guy who has verbally said he doesn't want to play for St. Louis, and he has a brutal injury history... Then, like, how can St. Louis sit there and and have a like to stand on? Like, they'll, they'll get something for him, but you can't get like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. See, that's why I think it's possible. It It is possible. Again, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the Bruins are. Don't kill my are super I know I kill yours but... <laughs> sometimes, but I say there's like a 20% chance. What's what's going I'll on with three uh, percent chance? What's going on with uh, uh, is it K- Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota? What's what's the latest on him? Yeah, I, th- I haven't really been following super close. I know there was like a report that he might be going back to Russia or something, but mm. he was a good player know. this year. Yeah, I mean the Wild can't let that happen. Like that's one of that should be one of their building blocks going forward. So so the twenty eighth will be very fascinating, and I think a lot of you know shoes will start to fall then. Um, so yeah, we can get into the defense now. You wrote about um, I gotta pull up his name actually. He plays for the Jets. Um, uh, Derek Forbort. Thank you. The one one of my favorite things about Scott is that he he puts all the time and energy into write these 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 articles and these blogs, and then he quote tweets it with like a two sentence like synopsis of like his actual feelings, and that's I like to read those the best. <laughs> read the whole thing, um, but I think it's funny because like he has his little snarky comments, and basically Scott said, top four, no, bottom two. Yeah, sure. Why not? So I look at I look him up, and a lot of people are like saying, you know, hypothetical pairings with this guy included. All right, let's 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 pump the brakes for a second. The guy was drafted in 2010 or 11, whatever it was, like 10, 11 years ago, and he's been in the league for like five years. Uh, he is no more than a Jared Tenorti depth guy. This guy is not going to come in and help I, the Bruins top six. I think six he's a little more than that. I think he can be he can be a regular on your third pairing, and I'd be totally fine with that. Like if if you went into next season and your third pairing was Derek Forbord and Connor Clifton, I'd be like, all right, that's probably better than any third pairing you had this season. Ah. Um, but the depth, honestly, but, it's like a slice of Sabaro's pizza at the food court. But it's okay, like, but it's nothing great. I I don't know if there's a market that is looking at forward as like a top four defenseman because that's the role he's been playing. But he's been playing that on a Winnipeg Jets team that was bad defensively and on several Los Angeles Kings teams that missed the playoffs. So Bring him in. Is he really a top four defenseman or does he just play there when the team isn't good enough? Which is what I think. So on any team contending for a cup, he should be a third-pairing guy. So if that's what the Bruins are looking at him at, as great get him for that but if they're thinking like uh maybe you know he'll be like the bigger guy we bring in and pair with McAvoy uh like that to me kind of just reeks of like the trying Jeremy Lozon there last year and it's like yeah I mean I guess because it's Charlie McAvoy you can probably get by with it but you're not he's certainly not making McAvoy better in any way like he's he's gonna be a bit of an anchor on that pairing yeah I mean as a depth guy, like sure, why not? You know, to to steal what Scott has kind of preached the last few episodes is like he's like I want the Bruins to really improve their defense, and um, you know, obviously that more so in their top four, and so like Ryan Suter, um, Brian McCabe, like players like that, like those are players that like I'm focusing on trying to get. Like you know, we've talked about Matthias Sackholm and stuff like that, but like that's like a trade thing. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to find, like, who are the guys that can come in and, and, and help log those top four minutes yeah, well, for them? Like, it, you know what I mean? It's getting thin pretty quickly because, so Jamie Alexiak was one of the top left shot free agents. He signed with the Seattle Kraken uh, going into the expansion draft. Uh, Alec Martinez would have been. He is reportedly re-signing with Vegas, so take him off the board. Um, Suter is, is, I think, pretty clearly going to be the top left shot D on the market come Wednesday. And he may not last long. So there, there were reports Monday 
that there are teams willing to offer him four years. A reminder, Ryan Suter is 36 years old, so that is signing him through his age 40 season. Um, I have liked the idea of getting Ryan Suter on the Bruins. There were reports that they were interested, that they were going to be, quote-unquote, going hard for him. Uh, I like him a lot less at four years. I don't think that's a particularly smart signing, but what I want to pitch to you guys is... If your cup window is one to two years and you're going for it and say you're looking around at other free agents, you're looking around at trade options and you're going, man, you know what? Ryan Suter really is like the best that's out there right now. And I don't think we can find anything close to that. Do you just say, screw it. If he, if it takes four years to get him, we'll give him four years and worry about what happens when he's 39 or 40. We're going to worry about that three or four years from now. I lean towards yes as my answer, and, and for a few reasons. First of all, he's consistent. He, he's been a good player in the league for a long time. You mentioned he's one of the top people available. But they're thinned out in terms of veterans on the defense, and now you're bringing in a veteran defenseman, right? You were getting, We were getting young. They were getting young. Carlo, Grizzly, McAvoy, they're, they're all young defensemen, and they've lost the veteran presence on the D in the last two years. So I think it's a good move. I think that they could use a veteran on defense. Obviously, you're right, the latter two years in his contract, they'd have to worry about it. But if you're an all-in team this year, which we assume they are, and and all indications are that that's the mindset of management, I I might do it. 100%. 100%. It's this simple. Four years from now, the Bruins will not be uh, a cup champion caliber team. So if Suter's on the team or not, does it matter? It, it, what I'm looking at right now is the next two years where I know for sure, you know, I still have a very, very... Patrice Bergeron is going to be one of the top centers in the league until the day he decides to hang him up. It's just a matter of when he wants to do that. Like, I don't see him playing and not really having it in the tank. He's He's never been the fleetest of foot, yet he gets better and better. So the speed aspect doesn't worry me with Bergeron. If I could have Suter and, and McAvoy for the next two years, um, you know, as a top pairing with the, in this window, absolutely. And just you, gotta, you have to go for it. You have to go for it. They need to be the Bruins for the next two years are the definition of all in. Like there's no doubt about it. Don Sweeney has one objective right now. It's to win a Stanley Cup and optimize the roster when he still has you know, the elite players he does. And then if we have to go through a rough couple of years with, you know, uh, Pashnak and, and McAvoy leading the way and they're kind of a bubble team fringe year and out, and then they'll eventually get back to it. But you can't be a contender forever. And so you still need to optimize this current window. And just to make a little bit more of a case for Suter, he's only had one season. Well, he's only had four seasons in his very long career where he was minus and plus minus, and the worst being early in his career in the 2009 season when he was a minus 16. But on his career, he has a ridiculous plus minus numbers. He's 105 uh, positive, and and that's what I mean by he's not a liability back there. Yeah, and and he's generally been on playoff teams, so that helps. Yeah, that helps, but that's what kind of team he's going to be going to. Not playoff teams that have made deep runs, mind you, but 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 they've gotten there. Once again, that's the kind of team he's going to, so it should be a similar fit. And he stays healthy, which is Huge. so. This actually ties into a another question we got on Twitter, by the way, that we can touch on. Um, he Suter has only missed, uh, I believe it was like twelve games in the last ten years combined. Uh, and for a Bruins team that suffered a bajillion injuries on defense last year, 
just someone who can stay healthy, who knows how to stay healthy, obviously takes care of himself. Like that would be just that alone would be big. Just to have consistency back there. Cause the, yeah, you're right. Cause I, I read our Twitter questions. Uh, Cause Scott posted like, Hey, we're doing a podcast tomorrow. What, what do you guys want to know about yeah. it? And the, the comments were just like, how do yeah, you so keep sorry, the I have defense the, healthy? I have the question here. So from Brian on Twitter, what is your solutions to our fragile decor? Not their fault, but they are all concussion concerns. How do you keep them safe and effective on the ice? Um, Sorry, I thought I texted you guys that question. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fix the concussion concerns, right? Except yeah, so for just this to protect is a tough thing. yourself. So, like, Cam Neely even said this after... Like, Cam Neely kind of casually dropped that in his postseason press conference that the Bruins had eight concussions on defense this year. We know at least two of them were Carlo. I think, you know, you could guess that maybe Tenorti suffered Tenorti. one uh, on, the, on that two. hit from behind by Hathaway. Yeah, he definitely had one. Um, But... Yeah, and Neil even said like at the time, like I don't really I don't know what you do about that, and I kind of took that to mean, I sort of took that as like Neil kind of almost sending a message to the league, like, hey, don't you care about head injuries? Like we had eight concussions this year, and you know, like, hey, you got to try to fix this and, and get suspensions for one. one of them, yeah, Tom Wilson. Um, so look, I mean, there are things technically that you can work on, whether it's. Awareness, you know, looking over your shoulder, being in better position to take a hit, communication with the goalie when you're coming back, obviously. Like, there's all that stuff you can work on, and they do work on, obviously, but... But I think um, the main part of that question, or which also had an opinion in it, was about the depth. And, you know, staying healthy is a variable that you can never fully account for, except for with depth, right? So that becomes the question. When you add Suter... It helps, obviously. You need to add a defenseman. Yeah, if they and... re-sign Riley, uh, that could help as well. They they keep Clifton. They lose Lazan in the expansion draft. I don't, I don't know if they're any better off. They're not better off currently. Uh, Definitely not. But you have you know Zaboro. You have the same problems right now as last year, right, unless is, you add someone. Which like is why you, yeah, just why you need to be targeting like a clear top four defenseman. And not just Derek Forbord and thinking, like, that's... You mean adding someone like Jared Tenorti didn't help? <laughs> oh, yeah, we added Derek Forbord, so we should be really good on the defense now this year. We got more depth, eight concussions last year. Thanks, Donnie. Um, I love Suter's game. If you watch the way he, he goes and gets the puck, like, a lot of times... And, Scott, you brought this up last week. It was, um, you know... Uh, you know how to stay healthy in the back end, and it was like Carlo. A lot of his injuries are bad luck, but a lot of times it's because he's putting himself in a bad situation and a vulnerable situation. And when you watch Ryan Suter, he makes it seem uh, like so easy. Like he doesn't seem flashy, but he's so good. And a lot of times, like when he's retrieving a puck, like he'll 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 look over his shoulder, see he has time, and he'll actually like open up and start skating backwards, like beneath the goal line, like he the. The 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 two hundred foot surface is always in front of him, and and that's something that he can he can pass along to like the McAvoys and the Carlos and Grizzlicks, and they can just learn from that. And I think that having him, it, you know, I just don't think the Bruins should allow term to be a deciding factor as why they shouldn't get him. Because like I said, four years from now they won't be winning a cup, I don't think. And so whether he's on the roster or not it doesn't matter. Like look ahead to the next two years and let that be. End of the day, um, he plays a ton of games, like you said. He stays healthy. Uh, the 2022 Olympics are around the corner, and most people will have him 
in the U in Team USA's top eight, right? So he's still a one of the best players in the world, um, certainly American players. And so I'm all for Suter. I think he'd be a great addition. I would hate to see him go to a um, you know Eastern competitor too, which would suck. Absolutely. But, yeah, and the Islanders are one of the teams reportedly interested in them, and that would be also, very problematic. You know, they're be right there. Again. Also, like people, the Minnesota Wild, although with Kaprizov last year and Jordan Greenway and some other players, um, Jared Spurgeon, like they're getting they're getting more exciting to watch, I suppose. But for the last like twelve years, they've been the most boring team to watch in hockey. Like they just they kind of like you know. They always seem to lack just like high end offensive talent. Like I used but to watch them up. all the time, and I was just like, "This is their year," and then but it the, was but never. Every single season, they'll end up with somewhere between ninety seven and one hundred and five points to squeak into the sixth or seventh seed, and then be a first round exit. Yeah, I used to have them going farther in the playoffs, and it almost never happened. So you have Ryan Suter playing with those caliber players. Put him with Bergeron, Marshan, Pashnak, Krejci, hopefully Hall. Go down the list. McAvoy, you know. um, you, you're surrounded by better players. You'll and he's already been a phenomenal player in Minnesota. So I just think he'd be even better. I know he's 36, but I mean, it's Tom Brady's showing that father time can sometimes be delayed. Yeah. So and, and I'll throw out another mid 30s veteran option as a backup to Suter if the Bruins get beat out on, on him or don't go for four years or whatever. But Alex Edler, uh, who I think still has is. Again, obviously not in his prime anymore, but still has something on the tank, was still a pretty good player last year. All the reports are he's going to test free agency. Sounds like he very well could move on from Vancouver. They're you know, a rebuilding team. He might be looking for a chance to win a cup, so he he's out there as well. He's not as good a suitor, but I think Edler could still... I think he can still play a top-four role and like hold his own. He might not stand out. He might not be like, you know, take your top four to another level. But I think he can fit in that role and not, certainly like not hurt you. Well, here's a question. Is he any better of an option than Mike Riley? Um, a, In the playoffs, may, yes. Maybe, yeah, because he's he's more of what the Bruins, I think, want. Like, he's a, more of... He's a better defender than Riley, I think. Uh, he has a little more size. But they like the fact that Riley is an offensive-minded, puck-handling defenseman. But I think they know that they... It's tough having Riley and Grizzly. And especially Matthew, especially if those are your top two left-shot defensemen. Like, if those guys are both playing in the top four, and then you have some bigger guys, a depth option behind them, like, that's tough. I think they want someone bigger in their top four. And if they brought Riley back as like on the third pairing, I, I think that then they'd be fine with that. Like that'd I, be great. Exactly. I think he comes back the third line. Great option for the Bruins. I mean, I like Riley, but like when I think of adding or subtracting players, I don't necessarily think of like yeah, like that that fun game in February when the Bruins like run away six two. I, I think of I always think of like the playoff series, and I think of like the Islanders series and the, and the Tampa Bay and the Blues, and like you know those teams that go on deep runs, like, the Mike Rileys of the world do not intimidate them or stop them. But, like, um, in fact, he'll shy away. But, like, Alex Edler is one of those players, like, he plays that type of, you know, game. And and I, I think of playoff-style hockey, and I th- I like Edler in that situation, too. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I actually, believe it or not, have, have faith that Sweeney will 
give the Bruins a pretty good roster this year. He he, he knows what's at stake. They all do. The whole organization well, does. And hopefully he learned from last year as well where, you know, last year they tried to take a little, a little bit of the cheaper option, you know, give some younger guys a shot, and ended up needing to have, like, the trade deadline of a lifetime just to give the team a chance. Mm-hmm. And you can't bank on having that trade deadline again. Like, you can't bank on a player of Taylor Hawk's caliber basically forcing his way to you for a second-round pick in Anders Bjork. And you, you're just you, lucky he decided Boston was where he wanted to go because yeah. at the end of the day, if he decided that there was another team that was a better option, well, you weren't going to get yeah, him. Vegas was so it was up to him too. It wasn't like Toronto the, was supposedly interested yeah, not or like, not interested. He was interested in Toronto. They weren't interested in him. Which is which didn't work out for right them. Honestly, like the fact that he chose Boston over over Vegas, you know, count your blessings because you could have looked at Vegas's roster, should have, and said they have a better chance to win a cup. I, there were just other variables at play for Hall that he wanted to come to Boston. Um, yeah, I guess I think he had his mindset on it from when he, the year he was drafted. He seemed like he really took a liking to it when he came to, to and, check it out. Yeah, and specific, and especially last off season. Like, I think it's clear he really wanted to sign with the Bruins last off season, and the offer just wasn't there. So he took he took what he could find money wise. I think with an eye towards if this doesn't work, I'm going to get traded the deadline anyways. Um, looking at a couple of the questions from listeners on Twitter, because obviously we want to shout them out because yep. that's why we do and it. We're a little bit like towards the end of our podcast, so right. So we'll, we'll rattle it off. So um, we already kind of talked about the Richie and Kasha thing. It's tough to talk about that until we know further in the free agency. Um, that'll just be addressed then. We'll see what happens with Krejci. Uh Any dark horse candidates from Providence? Yeah, so one that uh, that I would pick out, and I don't know if it, I don't think it'll be for this year, but maybe keep an eye towards later in the season, is is Brady Lyle, who is a bigger right shot defenseman, pretty mobile, and has really uh, emerged as a good player for Providence. Kind of out of nowhere, like he he wasn't drafted, and they signed him out of uh, out of juniors, and is looking like a player who might. So the Bruins signed him to an entry-level contract last year after a couple of months with Providence because there were reports that other NHL teams were kind of sniffing around on him and, like, taking notice of him. So that's pretty encouraging. And he is a defenseman that, like, has that size that you're looking for. Um, has a really good shot. Again, I don't expect him to challenge for a roster spot. Certainly not right off the bat this year. Maybe not at all all season. But, could you know, you look at how many defensemen get injured in, it, in any given season – he could get a sniff at some point, and at the very least, I would say he's a dark horse for the future because he's someone who was on like no one's radar again, wasn't drafted, uh, and could someday be an NHL player for you. I would say mine would have to be Jack Sean. He sniffed Boston last year, three games, um, and they're going to give him a few chances again this year. I think they'll probably give him more than three games this year just to test him out. Like we mentioned, if the D gets thin again, which at some point in the season is obviously likely to happen. Jack Ashan could have a chance to step up into that role and, and get a little bit more playing time in the NHL. I would say Oscar Steen. Uh, I liked what I saw of him briefly last year. I look at him um, as a bottom six guy with energy, uh, but some skill. I think one of the old games he played last year, he um, shot one off the crossbar with a nice like deceptive toe drag in the slot. Um, so it shows that he's willing to make an impact. Kind of reminds me of like the kind of player like Yanni Gord like on Tampa where he's a honey badger and has some skill and can be tough to play against. So I I think he's going to challenge for a bottom six role. And then um, 
I had one final question for you guys. It's a huge topic in the NHL, and it's, it, it might go down before our next podcast. So uh, any chance that Jack gets traded? De- it, definitely a chance. Yeah, I mean, um, people are saying it's going to in the next couple of you know days here. So Yeah, people have been saying he's going to be traded for you know months now. But, they have. Yeah, it, I, I think it's definitely more likely than not he gets traded this offseason. I just don't think that situation in Buffalo is salvageable. I think they're that they finally came to it sounds like came to some sort of agreement on like treatment for his injury, but that took so long. He was already so sour on being there because of how just badly how poorly run they've been, how far off they are from being any sort of contender or even making the playoffs. Um and his no trade cost kicks in after this coming season. So if you have the Sabres Right now, you can trade him to anyone. You can be negotiating with every team. After next season, Eichel can narrow it down and really force your hand and Which, maybe do something like Taylor Hall did where it's like you can't get equal return for him. No, you so. can't. I mean, they did not yeah. want to get Anders Bjork in return for Taylor Hall, but that's what they ended up having to do. But they're Buffalo, right? So you never know if they're going to end up doing the smart thing in that situation and, yeah. and trading him now while they can. I think they do, and I think it... It has to do with that, but even more has to do with the fact that he just does not want to be there, does not want to play there. Taylor Hall mentioned it when he was asked about it when he got to Boston uh, about the situation and the, the communication issues and the injury issues and Eichel's desire to be there uh, just isn't there from all accounts of from his teammates, from you know insider reporting. I don't know why they'd want to keep him there um, for another year, so it makes the most sense that he well, Minnesota buying out Suter and Parise raised eyebrows. Montreal is linked to them. Um, the Rangers have a ton of assets to give away. A couple of recent high draft picks and, and some roster players. LA is linked to them. Thoughts? I saw maybe even Anaheim. So we'll see. I, I would love to, for it to be Boston, but the Bruins don't have they don't have the um, the collateral to to bring in Jack Eichel. No, I, I think he's off the table. No team point. wants what the Bruins have to offer right now, unless like you said, he forced his hand later on and, and chose like. Boston, but guess, we're a but year out from that situation. We are, we are, but a story to keep an eye on for sure. I'm good. You guys have anything else? No, I, th- I think we answered all yeah. the questions. We we didn't touch on goaltending at all. I was just going to mention, like, if you're talking to Arizona about Christian Dvorak, you might as well be talking to them about Darcy Kemper too. We still don't know what's going to happen with Tugarask. Um, Delayed his surgery. To me, that's great. Yeah, that was that was so odd because originally it was supposed to be end of June. Now it's end of July. I don't know what happened Team there. Guy. But, um, but Kemper's like the exact kind of goalie. If you're going to be looking for a veteran, he's signed for one more year. I think with like a four and a half million cap hit. Like that's perfect. That's exactly what I would want. So, uh, something to keep an eye on. We know there's been enough smoke around the Bruins and the Coyotes that we know like they're at least talking. So. Uh, that would be a name to watch when it comes to goalies. I saw Braden Holpe's name mentioned as well. Former Bruins killer. Yeah. Former champion. I think, I think I'm probably out on Holpe yeah, at this point. It's, been, it's been a little bit since he's been particularly good. but Yeah, the goaltending situation will be very interesting to follow. Well, and, and I assume we're doing another podcast next week, right? We're yes. going to be going through, mm-hmm. um, you know, assessing what the Bruins have or haven't addressed um so far at this point in free agency. So we'll be able to talk more about the goaltending situation at that point because the Bruins top two goaltenders starting last season are both free agents. The questions about Tuukka Rask coming back, what the contract could be if he does come back, will all come up next week.
Yeah, Halak's uh, gone like the wind. Yeah, he's I, done. He's done. I, he's done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so actually, there was one other question on Twitter, and it's it's a pretty short answer, so we'll throw this in. Uh, is there any chance Jeff Gordon, who, by the way, was on uh, ESPN's draft coverage this weekend, uh, is hired by ownership to transition Sweeney and or Neely out of their roles? Uh, just for people who don't remember, Jeff Gordon was interim GM back in 06 for a few months, but what a few months it was because he oversaw the draft that got the Bruins, Phil Kessel, Brad Marsh, and Milan Lucic, and he was also in charge when they traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. Mm. So, lended you a lot of your core. Um, <laughs> you know, was mostly recently Rangers GM got fired after the season. By the way, he did a great job in New York, right? I was like, wasn't, good. He, wasn't he one of the guys yeah. that got fired because of the. Um... What happened? Because like, their owner's a dumbass, basically. Yeah, I've very heard, impatient. I've, I have heard nothing but bad things. James about Dolan, that. yeah, he's horrible. He's like one of the worst owners in sports, and he's just not patient. I, what, I've heard that the Rangers have harassed some of the reporters who put out stories um, about them that they don't like. But I'm, I'm yeah, what, what, what was the surprising. what was the story again? Like the the Rangers issued a state. What they issued a statement again? I forget that story. Oh well, th- so that was um. Was he one of the guys that got let go after that? Yeah, and they tried to say there was no connections, but that was... That's, bull, that's just BS. Yeah, so that was after when Tom Wilson attacked Panarin and Buchnevich. The Rangers put out like a v- extremely strongly worded statement calling for... Um, who's uh, in charge Paris, of George scene? Paris, that's what it Paris. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They called for Paris to resign. And then, like, supposedly, like, ownership didn't really have their bag or whatever. I mean, the Ran- the Rangers are well on their way to a, a great rebuild, and he was a big reason for it. Um, I think... Don Sweeney is going to be given, you know, this year, next year, during this window. But I think that the second, um, you know, the Bruins need to rebuild and restock for real, like when Bergeron's gone and, and, and others, um, I think the Bruins will have to decide if Sweeney's the guy for that. And if not, then yes, maybe you yeah. see Gordon come back. I think Bruins, the Bruins higher-ups right now are pretty tightly connected. Um, you know, I think... I think ownership really likes Cam Neely and Don Sweeney. I think Cam Neely really likes Don Sweeney. And they're all sort of... They're all tied together. Like, they're all attached at the hip right now. Yeah, they're all frat brothers. And so, yes. you know, unless it unless it really goes sideways on all of them, like, I think it would be... Unless it got to a point where it was like, hey, you know, the Jacobs come down, it's, hey, Cam, it's... You and Don are both gone, or get rid of Don. Like, the... Something like that obviously could split it up, but I think for now they're they're all pretty much on the same page. Like I don't think there's much of a struggle among the the Bruins front office right now. All right, so that'll wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back after free agency, so enjoy free agency and keep on enjoying the summer. We'll talk to you guys next week. 